He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. Thank you. Thank you so much for your very warm welcome. Uh, let me begin with a question. Uh, how is the fasting going? Maybe we should ask that again. How's the fasting going? Brilliant. Okay. Uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying this uh, season of prayer and fasting that we're engaged in. Uh, and under the principle of Leaders Go First, uh, I've been fasting in a Daniel fast now for two weeks. Uh, I used to love the book of Daniel. Uh, it's, it's gone down in my estimation a bit now, but uh, I, I think I'll fall back in love with Daniel towards the end of the, the, the fasting season. Now, the reason I mention this not only is because we're in a fasting season, but because uh, my first story, I'm really sorry, involves food. Okay, and I know some of you will be gnawing your fingers here as I tell you, I tell you this story. The story uh, is actually a very true, absolutely true story. You can look it up when you get home. Uh, apparently, in 2008, the, the company Kraft Foods that owns Shreddies decided, you know Shreddies, you know what I mean, a little square breakfast cereal, that, uh, yeah, well you know what I mean, uh, that Shreddies which is sold in England and Canada and New Zealand, uh, they weren't selling enough of them so they hired an advertising agency tasked with the job of help us to sell more shreddies. Because when they checked out, people who eat shreddies apparently think they're wonderful. Uh, so the, the, the problem was they're just not selling enough of them. So they hired in this uh, company, and if you look online, you can see the little video from the head of the agency talking this through. And uh, what he decided to do is get his team together, an advertising company, and they talked over shreddies. I don't know how long they could talk about a shreddy for, but they talked shreddies, and it, uh, they were doing all they could to come up with an imaginative idea for selling more shreddies, and nothing was coming until, uh, and I suppose late in the day, the story goes, that a young intern by the name of Hunter Somerville, he was messing about with uh, the shreddy, and he turned it 45 degrees and said, oh, we've been getting it wrong all this time. We have been selling shreddies as squares, but actually they're diamonds. See what I'm doing? 45 degree turn diamonds. And uh, it seemed a stupid idea at the time, but they worked it up. And actually, they decided to do a special edition shreddy, which was shreddies turned 45 degrees, sold in boxes that said special edition diamond shreddies. It was exactly the same shreddy, just in a different packaging. And the sales went up 18% overnight. And the amazing thing about this is, although it was exactly the same shreddy, nothing had changed in the recipe or anything, people started to write in to say, we absolutely love these diamond shreddies. They're so much better than the square ones. Can, can you make them go on forever? And then they started getting letters, this is absolutely true, saying, I love the diamond shreddies. My husband prefers the square ones. Could you give us a combo pack? And uh, advertisers were alerted. <laughs> absolutely, you can have any combo packs as you like. And a special edition combo pack came out, which was a mixed bag. You know, you could, you'd have to sort them out yourself, but some were squares. This is what they said in advertising. Some, some were squares and, and some were diamonds. 
And she's like, how did that happen? But it definitely did. Now, the reason I'm telling you this story and the reason I love that little story is because it illustrates exactly what Jesus was trying to do in Matthew 13, which is where we're collecting our parables of the kingdom from, when he's teaching his disciples about the kingdom. You see, the whole story and what Jesus was doing was changing perspective. If you take the square shreddy and you turn it 45 degrees and call it a diamond, it might be the same thing, but it's a completely different perspective on it. You with me? So when Jesus was teaching his disciples, and we get to listen in because we have the scripture, when Jesus was teaching the crowds, teaching the disciples, and teaching us about the kingdom, it wasn't that they'd never heard about it before. In fact, they had a perception, they had an understanding of the kingdom that came from their Jewish roots, uh, which was fundamentally, I mean, I'm summarizing in a sentence, so forgive me, it was fundamentally this, when the Messiah comes back, he's going to stuff you lot. <laughs> when the Messiah comes back, he's going to kick out all the Romans and God will be in charge again. That's the kind of summary of hundreds of years of theology in, in one sentence. In fact, one commentator puts it like this, as they sat and listened to Jesus teaching about the kingdom, they looked at him, but out of the corner of one eye, they were looking at the Roman soldiers, thinking, your time is coming. So, what Jesus is doing is he's not trying to teach them about the kingdom, he's trying to change their perception of it. And that's exactly what he does in all of these parables. In a moment or two, I'm going to come to the parable of the mustard and the parable of the yeast. But first, it's worthy of just thinking about just pausing for a moment and really getting a grip or understanding of what do we mean by the kingdom. And that's my first point that I'd like to share with you this morning, is that as Jesus told these parables, the kingdom of God is defined. So the kingdom of God defined. Now, one of the things that I've been doing over this last week or so as I've been uh, praying and fasting and so on is bec primarily because I knew I was coming to do this message, I was reading through uh, the Scripture from beginning to end following the kind of golden thread, if you like, of the word kingdom. It's really worth doing. If you've got time, uh, look at the back of your Bible. There might be a concordance in there, a dictionary type thing, which has got all the references to the kingdom. Or you can search on uh, like Bible Gateway or somewhere like that, search kingdom and find all the verses and read through them. That's what I've been doing over the, this last two weeks, trying to hear from Jesus what is a definition of the kingdom from his perspective. You know, not, not my perspective of what I thought before, but from his perspective, getting a clear picture of it. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, the kingdom is mentioned 55 times just in one book. So there's a lot to read and a lot to take in. It's worth doing it, but let me just summarize for you, if I may, what I've gleaned and I've gathered in this definition of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is anywhere and in anyone. Get it? It's in anywhere and in anyone where Jesus is recognized as king. That is, he rules and he's allowed to reign. That is, abide, live in his sovereign authority. I know it's pretty wordy, but that uh, captures the kingdom. Would you like to read it with me just to kind of echo again the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is anywhere and in anyone where Jesus is recognized as king. He rules and is allowed to reign. That is, abide in sovereign authority. So, what I realized was that the kingdom of God is not so much a place, but it's a condition. You with me? It's a condition. It's that 
condition of something being, or someone being completely surrendered to the will of God as it's revealed in Jesus Himself. So, when I thought back to when I became a Christian when I was about 16 or 17, I realized in, these, in this vocabulary, that was the moment at which I said, this territory which is my life, I surrender to you, and I allow you to be the authority in this life that is mine, my life. I prayed that prayer. I came to know Jesus Christ, and I've never stopped praying that prayer. I mean, I don't pray it word for word every day, but it's the, it's the content of my heart is that, Jesus, you will have authority in this life. I'll go where you direct. I'll do what you say to do. I'll stop what you say to stop. I'll speak what you tell me to speak. I'll be silent on the things that you tell me to be silent, because this area of my life is living in a kingdom condition. You with me? So then, when I start to pray, as we all do, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're saying is we're declaring and we're asking God to change the condition of somewhere. If we're praying over our neighborhood, we are saying over this area, this street, this neighborhood, we say your kingdom come, change the condition of this so that there's no other God in this area, no other God in this street, in this neighborhood, the new King Jesus. When we're praying for our friends and family as a group in our minds, we are saying, Lord Jesus, come and change the condition of the hearts of those that we are praying for, that no other God will be on the throne of their lives except you, King Jesus. When I'm praying for my son, my daughter, my family, my friends, my neighbor, uh, my loved ones who don't know Jesus, I'm praying, Lord, your kingdom come. I'm saying, would you change the condition of their heart right now, Jesus, so that they would have only you as the king in their life. Now, that is a backdrop that Jesus is drawing them into and us too. It's amazing, isn't it? Encouraging and challenging at the same time. Change the conditions around here. So Jesus, as he describes the kingdom in his parables, is making it abundantly clear that not only is there a kingdom, but that he, Jesus Christ, is the king of that kingdom. The Bible's quite clear. In Matthew, we've been reading from Matthew 13, these parables. Come to that in a moment or two. But if you go back just a few chapters to chapter 9, we read this about Jesus. Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. This is Jesus bringing, personifying, living out the kingdom of God. In fact, if you want to know what the kingdom of God is, you don't have to look anywhere except to the person of Jesus, because in His words we hear the kingdom declared. In His teaching, the kingdom is declared. He says, it's the very first words of His ministry, the kingdom of God is near. For 400 years there had been silence on the subject of the kingdom of God, till Jesus turned up and declared in His teaching that the kingdom of God is here. It is declared. Wow. Now, the golden thread of the kingdom all the way through the Scriptures starts in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, when God creates the heavens and the earth and everything in them, everything seen and unseen He creates. The implication is that He is the sovereign God. He is the ruler God over all these things. You know the story. Mankind messed up, don't we all, over a period of time until eventually there comes a moment in history when Jesus has to come to show what the kingdom of God is to be like. And not only does He bring the kingdom, the kingdom of God is near, it's here, He points to a day when the kingdom of God will be fully realized. 
And we are living in that in-between time between the kingdom of God has been declared as being here, but it's not fully here yet. Andrew referred to this a little bit last week, if you remember. And if you go to the very last book of the Bible, Revelation, I love chapter 21, where it paints a picture of a day when Jesus Christ comes back in all of His glory and reestablishes in fullness His kingdom. So that's the context in which we read about a mustard seed and about a little bit of yeast. In His words, Jesus declared the kingdom. In His miracles, He demonstrates the kingdom. And these two thoughts we'll come back to towards the end of my message because these are the call of God on our life to declare the kingdom and to demonstrate the kingdom in all of its ways. Declaration is a, is a really important and wonderful thing. When Jesus speaks, he's declaring. I don't know about you, but every time we hear the, the, the Queen's speech to Parliament, anybody else wait with bated breath for that? No, I didn't think so. Okay. It must just be us Scots. Okay. I listen with bated breath to the, the Queen's speech every year. The Queen's speech starts, uh, I, if I could do the Queen's voice, I'd do it, but I can't. It's, it, actually, when she relaxes, she has this accent. Okay, I'm telling you. <laughs> Believe me, it's true. So when she says, my government will, and then she outlines a declaration of what the government's going to do. Then she goes to the second paragraph. Every paragraph starts, so you can look it up, with the same phrase, my government will do this or that and the next thing. There's a declaration in the words that she's saying is a declaration of something that's going to change in her kingdom. That's what's there. Now, as a Scot, I've been listening. I've listened to it now for maybe 20 years, waiting for that declaration which is coming, which is, my government is prepared to say that every Scottish missionary living in England more than 20 years lives tax-free from now on. Okay? I'm going to start an online petition, right? and I want you to sign it, because our next Queen's speech, that will be a declaration. Anyway, you get the idea, don't you? In the speech, it's not just all stories, it's just not all facts and figures, it's declarations about what is coming, and that's what we have in the words of Jesus. So when we come now to the uh, parable of the mustard seed and then the parable of the yeast, declaration is what's happening. It's not just a little story, it's a declaration of the kingdom. Now, Andrew reminded us quite rightly last week that a parable is a story with intent. These parables are not allegories. An allegory is where you look at the story and you get a meaning out of every single word in it and you could spend all day doing that. That's not how these parables are to be understood as far as I understand. How they're to be understood is you look at it and you say, what is the sweeping truth that's been unpacked there? Now, in the parable of the mustard seed and in the parable of the yeast, the overarching truths are very similar, but one thing they've got in common is that they're supposed to create a wow factor. So when I read this out, I want you to be thinking wow. And if you don't think wow, I'll tell you why you should be thinking wow. And then after that, if you're not thinking wow, then I'm lost, okay? <laughs> so here is the overarching point, overarching phrase, overarching truth that comes from the parable of the mustard seed. And here it is, the kingdom of God is growing. The kingdom of heaven, says Jesus, is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, and it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree. Now, I didn't hear a lot of wows there, so I'll explain why you should have said wow. The reason we should have went wow is because a mustard seed is absolutely microscopic. 
It's less than a millimeter across. In old money, that's like four thousandths of an inch or four hundredths of an inch or something. Tiny, and it grows to the largest of trees. My research shows that these trees could grow to five meters tall, 16 feet. So, I know you can see you. I can see in your eyes, you're calculating that. You want to know what percentage is that? What percentage growth is that? Let me tell you, this is why you should be saying, wow. That percentage growth, the disciples are sitting there listening to Jesus talking about the kingdom, and he says this, the kingdom is growing at this rate, 4.9 million percent. Exactly, right. Uh, I had to explain it to you, but that's because we don't buy mustard seeds, right? They knew, they, as soon as they heard him say that, they understood this wow factor. The point is that the kingdom of God is dynamic. It's growing in- incredibly from a tiniest seed through to the largest of trees in the garden, as it's described there, or in a field. Wow. Now, some of you are thinking, that's not what it's like in my workplace. That's not what it's like in my life, in my street. Of course not. You see, the thing is, it's not supposed to be like dynamite dynamic. It's not something that happens like there and then. It's the speed of a seed. How fast is a seed? Who knows? It's, but it's growing. You can't stop a seed, can you? When you plant a seed, you can't. Well, some of you can, but <laughs> generally speaking, you can't stop a seed growing. It is going to grow to what it's been destined to do. And this is the message that in time, every knee will bow every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every area of the world, every individual in the world will come under His kingdom authority. It will either be a joyous moment or terrifying moment. That's what we heard last week, but it's a moment that's coming. The tree will be fully grown, and it's growing from now, from this seed through to there. The disciples were like, wow, wow, that is incredible what He's talking about. I was just praying for you, praying for myself for the last week or so as I've been thinking about this. I was asking God, so what is the kind of point of this for us? Because we say, yeah, wow, great, wonderful. Doesn't change Monday. What is the point? This is the point, I think. The point is, is there anybody here who wants their life to be bigger? Is there anybody who wants any aspect of their life to be stronger? I know this, as soon as I started writing this down, my heart started to rise to this. Yes, Father God, I can see so many things where I want this to happen. You see, the kingdom of God is dynamic. The scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those, that's you, 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 and you, and me, who love him. You see, if you're thinking your spiritual life, your Christian life is small and pressed down, you couldn't be further from the truth. Because if you surrender your life to Christ and, and let his kingdom come to every part of your life, there's a dynamic growth that's going to happen there if you invite him to do that. It's absolutely true. In your trust of him, in every circumstance, who wants that to be upgraded and growing? I do. Father God, come, your kingdom come. Grow that dynamic in my life. What about a heart for lost people, those who don't know Jesus? The Bible says they don't know their right hand from their left, that they're confused about where their purpose in life is. Do I want a greater heart for that? I say, yes, your kingdom come. Grow that in dynamic in my life. And I could go on, wisdom, expectation. What about our prayer life, our intimacy with our loving Father? What about all of those areas, Father? We say, your kingdom come. Change the condition of my heart. Grow those things in me. And I tell you, that's a world-changing dynamic 
One of the heroes of my faith is a, a man called William Booth. Some of you may know that William Booth um, founded the Salvation Army, what became the Salvation Army. But this, his story begins when he was a young boy. He was brought up in very, very poor conditions in the center of Nottingham. Uh, I've, I've been to the birthplace where, where he was born because he used to live in Nottingham for, uh, for a few years. And uh, when he was about 15, he was working in a really low-down kind of job, uh, no, not much prospects, as a pawnbroker's assistant. Uh, this was pretty grim. Uh, but one day he was working away at his desk in the pawnbroker's and he heard the voice of God say to him, William, I want you to give me all of your life and if you'll give me all of your life, I'm going to make something out of you that you could never imagine. And his story, his biography says that he fell to his knees and he said, I have no idea what you're doing, God, but God, you shall have all there is of William Booth. This 14, 15-year-old boy in this really deprived and difficult place in Nottingham. And God raised him, raised that seed in his heart because he committed his life to Christ, because he said, your kingdom come. More, hundreds of thousands of people have come to faith in Jesus over the last 150 years. He founded the Christian mission in his early 20s. That became the Salvation Army and is in 140 countries the world over. Hundreds of thousands of people today will be in Salvation Army churches receiving a message of Christ because one young boy said, you can have all there is of me. That's what the calling for us is. That's the dynamic that Jesus is talking about. That's pretty dynamic, isn't it? Okay, number two, second overarching point, we come to the parable of the yeast, and it's this, that the kingdom of God is spreading. Now, it's quite similar in uh, point to the first point, but let me just illustrate why it's different. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Uh, the yeast a woman used in making bread, even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, we'll come to this in a second, it permeated every part of the dough. Now, those of you who watch uh, the Great British Bake Off, anybody watch that? Okay, it's only me. <laughs> Nobody wants to admit it. I don't know why. What's wrong with that? It's not sinful to watch that, is it? Is it? Oh, okay. Anyway, um, those of you who have been watching that will know that uh, they have a week which is bread week. And we saw all sorts of disasters there because people didn't put yeast in or put too much yeast in, uh, let the yeast prove for too long, or let the yeast prove for too little, and it was a disaster. So I thought, <laughs> the best thing I could do today to help you is to bring my own British Bake Off. Here we go. Now, what I want you to understand here, and why I bought these, and I'll tell you a little bit about it in a second or two, is that the measurements, remember I said about the wow thing? The measurements in the story are wow. Because he said a little yeast, microscopic is the word that's used there, goes to three measures of flour. This is one measure of flour, okay? I was too tight to buy three measures, okay? <laughs> one says 18 bags of flour here, it was bad enough buying these, buying 56. See it with your eyes, see it, hear it with your heart. A microscopic small amount of yeast is going to go through 56 bags of flour. Now, you, they were sitting there and they were thinking, oh, wow, no woman, no man for that matter, mixes 56 bags of flour in one go with all the water. You couldn't do it. You couldn't need that, could you? It's just like beyond all imagination. 
And what is the point that Jesus is trying to get over? The point that Jesus is trying to get over, and he, used the word, he uses the words, it penetrates, is that this yeast, the, the, the yeast is the kingdom, and it penetrates every aspect of one's life on, of, of the world. I love the word permeate. Come back to these things in a second. Here's what it means. Permeate means infiltrates, infuses, invades, penetrates, pervades, saturates, suffuses, diffuses, drenches, fills, pierces, soaks, transfuses. Wow, that little bit of yeast all the way through all of this flower. You're thinking, well, that's good. What has this got to do with me? Here is what it's got to do with you. As I was praying over this for my own life, and I suggest it for yours, if you imagine every one of these bags of flowers, flowers, but flower, <laughs> represents an area of your life. It could be your relationships, it could be um, money, it could be attitudes, it could be words, it could, I mean, it could be any area of your life. Here's a question I heard the Spirit ask me, and I'm asking you in return. Is there any area of my life that I'm actually saying, I don't want that yeast to permeate? I'm actually quite happy living, let's put it bluntly, in a sinful way in that area. I haven't let the kingdom permeate that. In an earlier service, somebody came to me afterwards and said, as soon as you started speaking like that, God spoke a little message to me and he said this, some of these bags are in a polythene bag. And when you put the flour in a polythene bag, there is absolutely no way that the yeast can get to the flour. And he heard him say, the Spirit say to him, and there's areas in your life that you've put in a plastic bag, and it's time to get that area out of that plastic bag, this is an illustration obviously, and allow the yeast of the kingdom of God to get into that area. Now this is the challenge for me, and to, I believe every, everyone who's hearing me in this place, Cafe Church, online, on the web. Just think for a moment. Ask the Holy Spirit, are there any area in my life where I'm not inviting the kingdom of God to come? The message from Jesus is a wow message, is that every single area of our life can be reached by the kingdom, but only by invitation. We have to invite God to come and to do that in our lives. 60 pounds of flour, 27 kilograms, 56 bags of flour, tiny amount of yeast goes all the way through. Jesus said, if you're filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life, we're mixing metaphors here, but your whole life will be radiant as through a floodlight we're filling you with light. This is a holiness message. What part of this holiness message is for you? Now, if this is feeling all a bit uptight, does anybody want to buy some flour after the service? Okay, uh, uh, there were 80p a bag, okay? I could sell them at 60 because they've been used, but these bags, are the star, they're the stars of stage and screen. So I'm thinking I should at last, at least have £2.40 a bag. So email me, and I'll happily keep one for you, £2.40. That's only fair. I have to tell you, we didn't get the wow factor when I did that flower, but the people at Sainsbury's did. 
I'm not kidding. I went to Sainsbury's and I took a trolley in, uh, loaded all this, and the worst of it was I didn't have a pound coin, so I couldn't get a trolley. So I had to beg this woman to swap. Anyway, never mind. I begged this lady to give me a little coin with her name on it, and I'd give it back. But anyway, I go in and I get these 18 bags, and they're quite a lot, as you can see, put them into the trolley. The number of people that spoke to me, but they weren't speaking to me like you're sane. Right? One lady came to me and said, Oh, you've been watching Bake Off then? I said, yeah. Another lady said to me, oh, somebody's going to be busy. I said, somebody, but it won't be me. Okay, and then she looked even more confused. Then I went to the till, and they wanted to put every single one through. But then she said, oh, there's just too much. Many of you got 18, I'll believe you. And that went through. And the funniest thing was, when I got out to go out the door with a trolley, the security man, this is not kidding, the security man who was there was looking at me and he put his foot out like that and stopped the trolley, right? Because this amount of flour is weird. Nobody buys this amount of flour unless they're in Kingsgate. This is the wow thing that Jesus is trying to bring to our attention. He's bringing it to our attention that if you walked about with 56 bags of flour, it would totally surprise everybody. And he's saying there is no part of your life that can't be reached with the kingdom. Be shocked, be wowed by the fact that no matter what's going on in your life right now, no matter how hard it seems, the yeast of the kingdom of God can reach into that area of your life. If you're someone, and there will be people here who are stuck in a cycle, and you know, you'll know exactly what I mean as soon as I say this, you're stuck in a cycle of sin, pray, sorry, sin, pray, sorry, sin, pray, sorry, that can stop today. It can stop today, and I say this on the authority of God's word, because the kingdom of God, remember our definition, is in any place and in anyone who allows God to rule and reign in their heart. So if you'll say, oh, the area of my gossip or my sexuality or whatever it is you choose is the one that you need to think about, we need to wake up to the idea that the kingdom of God in Christ can reach into that very area. If you're stuck in that kind of cycle, you can have victory today. That's the wow message that comes from the yeast. Nothing is beyond the permeation of God's message to you. And in a minute or two, I'm going to pray just for that. I, I couldn't mention all that and then not pray for it, could I? I want to pray that some of us are going to be set free from a cycle of sin that we've been caught up in. Amazing, isn't it, what God is doing in our hearts? So he, there's this dynamic thing going on, there's this spreading thing going on, and it's wonderful. Those of us who know that's going on in our lives, we are very privileged indeed. But you should know that it's not just for your good because the kingdom of God is calling. That's my final point that I want to just land on just now. The kingdom of God is calling. Let me explain what I mean by that. In both of the parables, we saw that the yeast, and uh, one the yeast and one the mustard was described as being the, the kingdom. We are not the kingdom. We are not the mustard. We are not the yeast. That's the kingdom of God that's the mustard and yeast. That, that's straightforward, isn't it? Very often when people interpret this story, they say, yeah, we are the yeast. We go into the neighborhood and we, we'll be like yeast there. No, that, the kingdom is the yeast. The mustard is the kingdom. What's our part? Well, if you look closely at the story, you'll see there is a part to play. Because the mustard seed was planted by a man and the yeast was brought to the flower party by a woman. And that's the part that we have to play. The phrase that I use, we've been using quite a while in Kingsgate, is this. We are 
kingdom ambassadors. That is, we carry this kingdom of Jesus. Because we belong to the kingdom of Jesus, we have the rulership of Jesus in our life. That's right, isn't it? Because that's in our life. Wherever we go, we are kingdom ambassadors. Some of us realize of it some of the time. I pray that all of us will realize it all of the time. That where you go tomorrow, whatever your front line is, whether it be in the workplace or at home or in a college or hospital, whether it be in an office or a factory, wherever you go and you spend most of your days during this week, that is your front line and you're a kingdom ambassador there. I love it. I looked up. You're not, I'm not getting a lot of love here. Come on. This is good news. Okay. Here's what an ambassador is. I looked it up in the dictionary. An ambassador, this is you and me, is a diplomatic official of the highest rank. Woo! Right. Come on. Sent by one sovereign, and in our case, it's King Jesus, to another sovereign state or region as its, and here's a phrase I love, as its resident representative. Whoa, you get that? Resident representative. You're of high rank. You're seated in high places with Christ, Ephesians tells us. You have the authority of the kingdom of God in your life, and you're charged, you're called, it's commanded of you and me to take it as a resident representative to where you'll go tomorrow. After all, the Scriptures tell us this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home that's yet to come when Jesus comes back. Therefore, this is what we should be doing now. Let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to His name. That's our speaking, our declaration. Remember I said declaration and demonstration. Now we come to the demonstration part. And don't forget to demonstrate. Don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So when you go to your office tomorrow, if you, if you work in an office, can you imagine for a moment there's like a little yellow line around your desk space? And this is what you can do. You can pray, Lord, over this little area that is my responsibility. May your kingdom come. Change the conditions in here to match those of your kingdom. Now, what I don't want you to do is go in there and start being stupid, start being weird. Right, okay, because that doesn't help anybody. There's three things that you can do to be a really effective kingdom ambassador, and at some point we'll make this into a whole series, I'm sure of it. Number one, you can pray, just as I've described. You can pray for that little area that's yours. If you're a teacher, play, uh, go in early, five minutes early, and pray for the classroom. Pray in all the desks. Lord, bless this kid. Bless whatever's going on in their life. May your kingdom come. May this condition of you ruling and reigning come over their lives. That doesn't cost anything. You can do it silently. Those of you who work in the hospital, silently praying for the people that you're helping, serving. Those of you who are at home during the day, pray for your kids. Pray that they will understand this kingdom calling. Those of you who are retired now and you're thinking, well, I've got, I'm a kind of free agent, although I don't think that's what happens when you retire. You just start working for free, don't you? But, um, <laughs> but, but when you get a minute, just remember your own kids or your neighbors or your friends. Remember all the kings eight people who are at work today. Remember all the people in the place you used to work. Pray, God, your kingdom come. Pray, pray, pray. That's the first thing you can do. The second thing you can do is to declare over your workspace the kingdom of God. And I don't mean go ranting and raving around the office when everybody else is like there. But it's a heart condition. We're saying, over this space, I declare your kingdom. The kingdom is here. 
That's a promise, and the kingdom is coming. We look forward to that too. Be in faith and declare it over your work area, whatever your front line is, that the rule and reign of Jesus Christ is going to come to bear on that area. It might be far away right now. You might feel, you might truly be the only Christian in your place of work, but the kingdom is bigger than you. Remember that. You just pray, God, let your kingdom come. Bring another Christian in here. Bring another Christian alongside me. Help me, encourage me. Declare over all your workplaces that thing. Demonstrate the kingdom, which basically translates into be supernaturally nice to those around you. Be kind and good-hearted towards them. When other people are feeling fractious and a bit itchy, you're loving on the people. My friend Lawrence talks about being a secret pastor in the office, which basically means when you see someone in need, you do what a pastor would do. You bless them. You pray for them silently. You don't even need to tell them you're praying for them. You maybe send them a card saying, sorry to hear about your recent bereavement. Just let you know I'm thinking of you. Here's a bunch of flowers. I tell you, that translates. That changes things in your workplace. I challenge you. I put it before you to be a kingdom ambassador wherever God has placed you. This is my final moment in this message. And it's a message of challenge. I want to encourage you to just grab this opportunity by the horns and to serve God in his kingdom. The story goes, in the final story, that Ernest Shackleton, when he was about to set out to the South Pole on one of his expeditions, printed an advert in the newspaper to this effect. And here's the actual words of the advert. It says this, men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months in complete darkness, Sounds like my house, actually. <laughs> Constant danger. Safe return is doubtful. Honor and recognition in case of success apply. Now, you'd think absolutely nobody is going to respond to that advert. But Shackleton had so many people applying that he had to set up interviews and sort them all out so that the people who eventually went, went with him. Why is that? Why would people do that? Well, I think they would do it because they have a vision of something to come. And that's what's true for us too. That's what draws out of me and draws out of you. It's wanting to serve Christ as a kingdom ambassador, wanting to let the dynamics of the kingdom flow through all of my life, to let the kingdom of God permeate every single aspect of my life. It's for your good. It's for your glory. If there's anybody here in my hearing who's thinking, I don't really know what I'm living for, this is what to live for, whether it be William Boothridge, for example, or Shackleton and all his buddies, or Jesus himself. Take up the opportunity. The vision is there to know that Christ and his kingdom are calling you to serve those around you. With that, I'll finish, and I'd love to pray. So let's just pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome your kingdom here, your dynamic and deepening and growing and spreading kingdom. We pray that it would grow and spread in our hearts today. I pray that you charge us and encourage us to be kingdom ambassadors in every way. So bless us to that end, I pray in your precious name. Amen.